right, if you wrap up, we're going to get started up here. All right, hey, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and grab that right now. We'll be in Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18 is where we're going to be tonight. As we continue teaching through uh, a teaching series that we've called Minds, Attention, Hearts, Affection. Uh, and if you are new or newer to us and you haven't been tracking with us this summer, really simply put this summer, we, we have been doing a teaching series where we have been looking to the scriptures um, to address how we deal with this thing. We've been looking to the scriptures to try to figure out how we deal with sort of the technology in our life uh, and really more significantly, like the phone I have in my hand uh, and the incredible distraction it is, the incredible time it takes, the incredible focus it takes of my mind. And our thesis throughout the whole thing has simply been this, that whatever has your mind's attention will eventually have your heart's affection. Like whatever I pay attention to, I will ultimately fall in love with. And if I pay attention to my phone, I will ultimately fall in love with my phone and what it has to offer. If I pay attention to my God, I will fall in love with him and what he has to offer. And so we've been working through this all summer. And so again, if you're new, we've been trying to go to the scriptures to say, okay, what does the Bible have to say about where our mind pays attention and what that does to our heart? And we've been talking through different things with relation to the phone and how we interact and how that plays out. We've done some more theoretical stuff. We've done some more practical stuff. But then here's just what I want to recognize as we get into tonight and tonight's subject. Um, what I want to recognize is that when it comes to our phones, um, it's not just a matter sometimes of you deciding, I'm going to use my phone less. Because we've all played the game of, I'm going to use my phone less. And you put in strategies and you put things in place, and I think those are healthy, right, and good things. Uh, and yet what happens to you can often be what happens to me this morning. So like just this morning, I was up early, uh, I was reading the Bible, I was in the time with the Word, and then I had my phone and I put it on a table. And then 7 o'clock hits, and 7 o'clock is when I wake my kids up. So I got all three of my kids up, and very intentionally, I left my phone in another room, said, I do not need this for the hour between 7 and 8 when I'm with my kids before I get ready to go to work. And so I'm with my kids, I'm hanging out with them, I'm making breakfast, my son loves, loves eggs, I'm making him eggs, right? Like we're doing all this, and then I have a few eggs, and I had this thought, and here was the thought, I gotta log this in my fitness pal, I gotta log these eggs. I, and then here's how bad it gets. I'm like, well, I'm not using my phone right now, so I can just log three eggs later. I was like, but what if I forget how many eggs I had? And like, my mind was so like, you have to log this now. And so just like without even thinking, I went to my phone and grabbed it and opened the little blue app. And I was like, three eggs, right? But here's the problem. It never stops with three eggs, right? It never does. And so like I log the three eggs and I'm like, cool, I did that. Oh, look at that. Oh, got a guy text email. And then like, here I am just ignoring my children. Like I made the commitment, I'm not going to use this device. And yet compulsively, my brain made up a reason for me to go do that. Like, do you see how powerful this is? Like, we're not playing around here. This isn't a game. This isn't a silly little thing that's a periphery of your life. This is a thing that invades and infects every part of your life. And if you are not careful and if you are not serious about this, it will just absorb you. And if it gets its tentacles in you, it has the potential to destroy you. Like, I'm not just trying to be dramatic here. I'm not just trying to say like, oh, I ruined my kid's life by logging some eggs this morning. What I'm trying to say is that if my pattern in life is every time I impulsively want this thing, I will go get it. That will eventually destroy me and it will destroy you too. And so tonight I want to begin um, by just opening up a subject. And that subject tonight is what happens when we have a compulsive behavior that we say we're going to quit and yet we seem unable to actually do that. 
And we have a word for compulsive behaviors. We say we're going to quit, but we can't actually do that. And that word is addiction. Now, you're not necessarily going to find that word in the pages of the scripture. And yet the idea that there is something that is gripping us, something that is binding us, something that is keeping us from the life God wants for us is actually found all throughout the Bible. And so what I want to do is show you in Psalm 18, just kind of what the Bible might have to say about us as we think about addiction, as we think about addiction to our smartphone, or then if I can just broaden it, addiction to pornography, addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, addiction to online shopping or online gambling, addiction to food, addiction to anything. There are these addictive patterns we have where we say, I'll never do this again, and then we do it. And I want to just show you briefly what the Psalms have to say about it. So Psalm 18, verse 1, it'll be up on the screen here. Here's what it says. It says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Now, from time to time, I just show you a verse, and I want to encourage you uh, from time to time to see verses like this and say, that's a memorizing one. Like, that's one to commit to memory. Like, the Lord is my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. That's relevant in this conversation. Listen, it's relevant in every conversation. This is who the Lord is. He is your strength. He is your deliverer. He is the one you lean on. He is the one you take refuge in. But I want to point out here at the very beginning that David says all of this in the context of something he is facing. And what he is facing is this final word here is his enemies. Like in other words, one of the things I always want to try to point out to those of us who are followers of Jesus and who believe the Bible is that the Bible assumes you will have enemies. Like the Bible assumes there will be people or things that you stand against that kind of come against you. And this would be an addiction. Like again, for David here, it's not an addiction he's dealing with. He's dealing with a literal enemy who is pursuing him and trying to kill him. But I think an addiction is no different. An addiction is a literal enemy that is trying to pursue you and rob from you and take from you. And David understands that there is an enemy who is trying to defeat him. And yet here's the most important insight of these verses, if you would memorize them. You will realize very quickly that David doesn't think the battle is between him and his enemy. David doesn't see the battle is between him and his enemy. Look at it. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's the salvation. In other words, for David, the battle is not between him and his enemy. The battle is between his enemy and his God. And that's what we need to understand. Listen, I need to say this from the very beginning. When it comes to addiction, most of the time, the mythology around it is if you were just stronger, if you just had more willpower, if you just tried harder, if you weren't so lazy, you could overcome this addiction. But I want to just be clear from the beginning. If victory depends on your willpower, I want you to know it's hopeless. It's hopeless. If it's you versus the addiction, you're not going to win. And the reason I'm confident saying this is because if any of you are addicted to anything at any point in your life, you know how that goes, right? You're like, I'll never do this again. And then it's like day three, you're like, fine, just one more time, right? And you just give in over and over and over again. If victory depends on your willpower, it's hopeless. But let me just speak this over you tonight. If victory depends on the Lord's power, there is hope. You're not stuck like this. You're not always going to be here. When I look to the scriptures, what I see is there's any enemy that comes against me. Ultimately, there is hope, not because of my strength, not because of my willpower, not because of my discipline or because I've got this within me. Tonight is not a sermon where I'm going to be like, you strong enough and you've got this and you go girl and you can do this. And then you're like, I'm awesome. And you leave like all pumped up because that never lasts. And we all know it. But if it's the Lord's power working through me, something shifts, something changes in me. It goes on this way in verse four. It says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me and the snares of death confronted me. And one of the things I love about David 
as he describes this enemy that's coming against him. And then he uses this kind of poetic language to describe it. Notice that the cords of death are entangling him. Destruction's coming his way. It's coiled around him. He's being confronted in this moment. But what I love about David in the Psalms is he never downplays the enemy who's in front of him. He never minimizes it or pretends it's not a very big deal. He doesn't brush it off and pretend that because he's a man of God who's supposed to trust God, he's not afraid of anything. In fact, he really clearly identifies. There's this terrifying enemy coming after me. He's bound me. He's got his coils around me. It's really wrecking me right now. And this is one of the things I want you to be able to internalize as well. See, so often when it comes to addiction of any kind, but even tonight when I talk about digital addiction, um, it's easy to kind of brush it off as a non-issue for you. So, so when I talk to, for example, young men and women who are addicted to alcohol, it's really easy for them to say like, no, 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 I'm not an alcoholic. I just occasionally drink a lot, I drink too much all the time, right? And it's like, it's like, I don't want to say I'm an alcoholic. I just sometimes I drink too much, right? Or, or I talk to a young man or woman who's hooked on pornography and they're like, well, occasionally I stumble into lust. That is always code for me for there's more than going on there. Why? We love to downplay. We love to minimize. We love to pretend it's not that big of a deal. We love to not say it out loud because we're afraid if we say it out loud, then we'll actually have to deal with it. But I want you to know the opposite is actually true. I've said this before in this room. I'll say it again, that what you do not identify will only intensify. That if you keep burying it and stuffing it down and pretending it's not a problem, it will only get worse in your life. The things in your life that overwhelm you, the things in your life that take over are the things you will not name, that you don't have the courage to say so rather than actually dealing with the fact that you are compulsively checking your phone, that you haven't even made it through seven minutes of this sermon without checking your phone and seeing notifications and going to Instagram and then going back to Snapchat and then back to Instagram, just in case things change, right? And then you've been doing this whole gig, like compulsively, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, when you go anywhere, whatever you do in life, you're constantly on this thing. You feel anxious when you're not there. It's time to stop minimizing that. It's time to say this thing has become an addiction. It is unmanageable. It is a problem, and if I do not deal with this problem, it will take over my life, because what you do not identify will only intensify, but then the opposite is true. Once you say it, you can begin to solve it. Like, once you say it, hey, this is an addiction. It's not that I'm going to get rid of my phone. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I just know it's a problem, and I need to deal with this as seriously as I would deal with any other problem. Once I say it, by the Spirit's power, I can start to solve it. Why? Because when I say it, I take it out of the darkness, I drag it into the light, and addiction and sin withers in the light. It can grow in the darkness. It can overwhelm you in the darkness. But in the light, there's a power. Tonight, I'm not trying to get anyone to say anything that's not true. But I am trying to get you to say things that are true. If you're not digitally addicted, praise the Lord for you. Seriously. If it's not an issue, if you're not compulsively on your phone all the time, constantly in your life, praise God for your witness to the world. But if you are, I don't want you to bury it. I don't want you to stuff it. I don't want you to pretend it's a non-issue. Tonight, I want you to deal with it. It goes on this way, and um, I'm going to skip down a little bit to verse 16. Um, I want you to know that this weekend, um, for the main services here at Calvary, I delivered an entire sermon around Psalm 18 here, and it's all about addiction. You can find it on Calvary's website. It's called The God Who Rescues Addicts. And if you want to go listen to the whole thing, you can go do that. But I just want to show you one last part of this, verse 16, and then we're going to bring up some, some guests tonight who are going to help us share. But verse 16 says this, and I think this is so important. He says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. And he drew me out of deep waters. And I love this metaphor that the scriptures give of deep waters. Like in other words, you need to know that the thing God is after is not just your behavior, he is after your heart. 
Uh, like God's not just trying to get you to behave differently on the outside. He's trying to reach down into the grossest, deepest waters of your heart, the place that you don't even want to go into. He's trying to reach down and rescue and save you out of that. He's trying to bring cleansing to the deepest parts of your heart. So the goal in talking about addiction is not just that you would break the addictive pattern. When I'm working with someone who is an alcoholic, my goal is not just to get them to stop drinking. It's to get to the root of the problem of why they started drinking in the first place. My goal is not to get someone to just stop looking at pornography. It's to get deeper into that, to understand why that was an issue in the first place. See, the shallow assumption about addictions is that the addictive behavior is the problem. The deeper analysis is always going to bring you on a journey into deep waters to understand this that addiction is usually the dreadful fruit, not the deepest root of the problem. And I need you to know that if you're hooked on your phone, if you're compulsively using it all the time, constantly on your phone, all the time, it just absorbs your entire life. There is something deeper going on than some technology that some company in Silicon Valley put out. There's something that's covering up in your heart. Listen, smartphone addiction. Smartphone addiction wasn't created by these companies. What was exposed by these companies is that there were already cracks in our hearts and our soul. And so what do we wanna do? We want to look for what addiction is often rooted in. Uh, addiction is often rooted in the following things. And, and uh, this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is a list that'll hit many of you. Number one, addiction is often rooted in stress and exhaustion. So you're just worn out, spread thin. Your life is too crazy. You don't have Sabbath. You don't have rhythm. You don't have rest. You're constantly going. And so what happens is every time you have a spare moment where you can power down, you haven't actually learned how to power down. You haven't learned how to rest. What you've learned how to do is distract. And distracting and resting are not the same thing. Doing this and actually resting are not the same thing. And so stress and exhaustion can often create these cracks where addiction steps in and takes hold. Number two, perfectionism and insecurity. For some of you, you have the standard where you have to be perfect all the time in life. Your mom or your friends or culture or somehow you were taught you have to be perfect. And on the inside, you know you're not. And so that creates this insecurity, this anxiety. I'm not good enough. And what happens is when we have an anxiety, we try to soothe it with something. And oftentimes your object of addiction, your addiction of choice will come in and soothe that. For some of you, it's perfectionism and security. For some of you, it's loneliness and rejection. So for some of you, you have been rejected. You've been lonely throughout your life. But one of the things you learned at some point along the way is this thing never says no. It always says yes. And so you turn to this because it's easier to turn to this and get a yes than speak to another human being and potentially experience a no. And so what happens is when we discover this digital addiction, it's not about this little device at all. It's actually about something deep inside of me. For others of you, it's anger and resentment. There's this kind of bitterness of this world, just kind of anger toward the things of this world. And you're so rageful, but that rage can't possibly stay in you forever. And so you soothe it by turning to this device because you'd rather be distracted than be so angry. Listen, for others of you, it's childhood neglect and wounds. Like as we get deeper and deeper here, you recognize that when you are a kid, there's all sorts of patterns and practices that are put upon you. And here's what I hope you know. In your 20s, your job is to figure out what those are and to work on healing from them. This isn't a blame game. This isn't you looking at your parents saying, you're the problem, you're the reason for all my problems, but it is an opportunity for you to say, I am not, I'm going to spend my 20s addressing these childhood wounds and patterns. I'm going to get healing from those so that I don't have to spend my 30s, 40s, and 50s dominated by them. That's what I want for you, to just address these things, not to blame your family, not to blame your childhood, not to blame your parents, but to say, okay, there was some kind of pattern and maybe the pattern as a kid was anytime things got tense, you would turn to the TV or you would turn to the computer. And so now in your life, anytime things get tense, you don't even realize you're doing it, but you're like, okay, I'll avoid the tension by just doing this. 
Or maybe you learned at some point that you weren't actually wanted, that you weren't actually enjoyed, that no one wanted your company. And so when you get around people, rather than engaging fully, you back away and do this because you're certain no one actually wants you. This is childhood neglect and wounds. It's the things we must deal with. And then finally, for some of you who've experienced trauma and abuse, it wasn't your fault. You didn't ask for it. Someone wickedly sinned against you, and you experienced that. And when that happens to you, it creates a wound that is so much deeper than the physical wound you experience. It opens you up to all sorts of patterns and practices to soothe and heal from that wound. And you can go down a road of healing where you find a healthy, good healing, or you can ignore it, neglect it, push it down, pretend it's not there, and you can medicate yourself with your addiction of choice. See, for so many of you, there's something in your life that's actually being exposed by your smartphone. Like your iPhone, your Android didn't create the issue. It exposed the problem. And what do we want to do? We want to allow God to heal us in the deep waters, in the deep places of our heart. And I want you to hear me clearly on this. I'm not up here saying like you have childhood wounds or you have issues or you have things going on. Therefore, your addiction's no big deal. Don't worry about it. You're just a victim. Don't worry. Listen, I want to be clear. Identifying and addressing root causes doesn't excuse behavior. That's not the point. The point isn't like, well, you had a tough childhood, so therefore spend 16 hours a day on your phone. You had a tough childhood, therefore it's no big deal on your behaviors. I'm not trying to say that. Because anyone who's stuck in these addictions because of these patterns knows these behaviors aren't helping them. It's harming them. So what's the point? The point isn't to excuse behavior. The point is that addressing these things helps change behavior. And that's what I want for you. Healing in these deep places of your life. I want you to explore the deepest parts of your heart, not because you're trying to excuse or explain why it's actually okay that you behave this way. But what I want for you is to realize the reason I behave this way is this. If I can address this and heal from this, I won't, need, I won't have that compulsion toward my phone. I won't have that compulsion toward pornography or, or online shopping or gambling. I won't have that thing toward drugs or alcohol anymore because ultimately it's the, de- the deeper roots always go deeper than the behavior. Now, why is this a big deal to me? The reason this is a big deal to me that you would deal with digital addiction in your life, specifically digital addiction, is the thesis we've been using throughout this whole series, and it's this, that you will bring glory to what you pay attention to. You bring glory to what you pay attention to. And so when we talk about your phones and dealing with digital addiction, it's not because we're anti-technology. I've tried to say this every week. It's not like I'm just like this old man waving his face to fist at the sky being like, it was better in the days of typewriters, right? Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get us to understand that whatever you focus on, whatever you pay attention to, whatever captures your attention and your focus and your energy will ultimately have your heart, your affection, and your glory. And wouldn't it be beautiful if someday you could look up and you have a smartphone and you have a laptop and TV and all the digital tools of our age and whatever else comes next, glasses or goggles or whatever cool thing they come out with. Like You've got all that stuff, but it just doesn't own you anymore. You own it. Like Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing where your God owns you? Because whatever you pay attention to, you will bring glory to. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I want to be um, really practical, try to give you some insights um, from some folks. And so um, we have brought three panelists up today. um, And I want to welcome those panelists on up. If you guys want to come on up, would you welcome Adam and Bert and Sandy? who are going to make their way up on stage. Come on up, guys. 
Uh, we have asked them to come, and I have a number of questions that I'm going to kick to them um, to help us talk through this subject of addiction and digital addiction and phones and how we work through these things. And so um, I haven't told them what to say. I have told them, Sandy, we'll have you right there. Perfect. Um, and you guys over on that couch. Um, I have uh, given them some questions just for them to think through, and each of them brings a unique expertise in this area. Uh, and so we're going to talk this through. And again, the thesis is this, um, what you pay attention to, you will bring glory to. And so my hope tonight is that these three individuals can help us figure out uh, how to move past sort of an addictive, compulsive way of paying attention to our phone so we might pay attention to our God. So uh, with that said, uh, we'll have each of you introduce yourselves first. Um, Sandy, would you start for us, please? Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Jacoy. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and my specialization is addiction and trauma. This is what I work in. I'm also sober for 39 years. So, awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And um, I'm just really blessed, and I feel really privileged to be able to share with you guys here tonight. So thanks, Brian, for having us. Yeah. Basically, you said everything. We, oh. we could sit down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, you all are amazing. Thanks for being here. Bert. Hi, my name is Bert Overholt, and I'm a marriage family therapist also. I'm a rabid and passionate pursuer of Jesus. I'm a husband that loves being a husband. I'm a dad that loves being a dad. And I'm a grandfather that loves being a grandfather. Yeah. And I also work. It's <laughs> awesome. So, and I primarily work with uh, couples and young men that are struggling with issues like this and trying to learn how to be godly men and dads that are trying to learn how to be godly dads. Yeah. I'll also add for Bert, and this is an honor for us to have him here tonight, Bert is one of the elders here at our church. And so if you don't know this, um, yeah, yeah, we can give it up for the elders of our church. Um, Calvary is governed not by our staff or, or by folks like me or anything like that. There's an elder board that God has appointed and brought together uh, that we submit to that leads our church for vision, for theology, for teaching, uh, and for really the direction of the church. And for, for a long time, uh, Bert has sat on that board, and we are grateful for his leadership over this church. So, Bert, thank you. Awesome. Adam? Hi, guys. My name is Adam. I'm also a marriage and family therapist. Um, primarily over the years, I've been working with adolescents and young adults, especially you guys, um, mainly in the field of addiction as well. So a lot of substance abuse, um, alcohol abuse, and severe mental health. So a lot of anxiety, depression, self-harm. Um, and then also with adults, a lot of substance abuse as well. So yeah. super excited to talk about this. Man, uh, so grateful each of you are here. And, and you can tell from this conversation already uh, that we have professionals who work with people on a regular basis. And we try to say this on a regular basis. Um, to be a Christian is not to say, oh, I don't want to go see a therapist. I don't want to see a counselor. Like that, 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 That's just not what we teach or believe here. And even as we go through this tonight, if you're thinking, wow, I need to go see someone, whether it's someone here or, or someone they would refer or recommend to or our church would recommend, I would love for you to come see one of us after. Uh, we would love to help connect you to the right person. They might not be available. They have very full schedules, uh, but we would love to help connect you because this is a big deal to us um, that you would work through the deepest things in your life. And that kind of leads me to my first question. Um, that We're talking about addiction tonight, would one of you be up for just defining addiction? Is there sort of a clinical definition or something that we could really work through as a working definition for tonight? I'll take it. Nice. Please, Sandy. This is the awkward part, right? Where we're yeah. like, you want to talk? You want to talk? <laughs> so um, when we're talking about addiction, we have to consider that there are criteria through the American Medical Association that defines criteria for addiction. And those four criteria are you have to have withdrawal symptoms when you don't 
get to use the drug or the process or the behavior anymore. You have to be able to acknowledge that there's been a tolerance, an increase in tolerance, meaning you, meet, you need more of the same experience or drug or alcohol yeah. in order to get the same results. Yeah. You also have to have continued um, failed attempts to stopping and continued use despite negative consequences. Mm. So when we treat addiction, and I treat, um, I mostly treat process addiction, which is what this is. That's what this digital addiction is. It's a process addiction. Um, it basically, we're working with a pathological relationship with a mood-altering experience versus a pathological dependence on a mood-altering chemical. Yeah, yeah. So that's basically the, the difference. It requires, yeah. you have to have some preoccupation, failed attempts to stop, yeah. loss of time, and um, consequences. So basically, starts to mess with your life a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. Anything you guys would add to that definition just to help us have a, a working definition here? Yeah, just to add to that a little bit, um, like the deeper causes and roots and stuff, which Brian, you were talking about, addiction becomes, obviously it's the solution, it's not the problem, but it's mainly an emotional and physical response to some kind of suffering. Yeah. Like addiction becomes that solution, right? Like yeah. we learn... All the, obviously, like all of us struggle with so many different things, yeah. and it just becomes that go-to of like, how can I temporarily escape this pain? Yeah. And we get that instant reward real quick, and it goes away, and it increases the tolerance. Yeah. We want more and more and more because I'm suffering, but how can I feel better at least for this moment? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting insight if you, if you miss that, that it's actually an addiction is a, is a solution. Did you use that word? Or it's a solution to some problem. And it may be a poor solution or not very well thought through solution or a damaging solution, but it is a solution to an ongoing problem that we have. Let, let me jump to the next question. What would you say, for any of the three of you, is something kind of most people, maybe lay people, misunderstand about addiction? Uh, what are the things that are kind of popular narratives out there about addiction that, that really we'd want to clarify? Okay, so uh, I think you nailed it when you, when you spoke, Brian. Um, a lot of times people believe that an addictive issue is more of a morality issue or you're not a strong enough believer or there's actually something um, that, you're, that is out of your control that you should be able to control. Addiction is a brain disease. There is a lot of research that shows that there's a biological component to an addictive process, whether it's to a chemical or it's in a process addiction like pornography, sex addiction, digital addiction, which are all yeah. process addictions. There is a component in the brain that happens. So um, people that are struggling in this area, they're not doing it on purpose. They're not being lazy. It's, it's, there's an actual medical diagnosis that needs to be addressed um, and I think that that is one of the biggest misconceptions is we could get very judgmental when we see yeah. people walk by yeah. and, you, and you can peg them out. I want to say one thing about digital addiction. You could have none of those things that Brian put up on that board and still find yourself hooked in your phone because the process of the phone itself acts on the part of the brain that starts to tell you that you need more of it. So while most people that stay there have a lot of those criteria that he put up on the board, you can you cannot have any of those things and find yourself in an addictive process with your phone. Yeah. 
And one of the things I love that Sandy's talking about that we really believe here, she's talking about brain wiring, right? And it's easy to think, oh, that doesn't sound spiritual. And it only doesn't sound spiritual if you forget God made us this way, right? Um, and so it's like sometimes we want to separate out spiritual from physical. And it's like, no, God made you both. And so to say we need to deal with brain wiring issues isn't some sort of medical cop-out of we're walking away from Bible stuff. It's like, no, like God made you a physical creature. And so you need to recognize that and not sort of push that off to the side as if that's not church talk. This is church talk because God made us this way. Maybe other things, any other things I think you think people misunderstand about addiction? Well, yeah, to add on to, to Sandy, it's just the wiring happens with all this dopamine that keeps coming in, and it becomes this false sense of dopamine. Like we're not experiencing yeah. what life actually has to offer with our phone. It's it's fake, it's false, it's a counterfeit version of what God wants you to experience. Yet we get addicted to it and we want more and more and more. So after a while, we don't even notice when we're turning on our phone or looking at it, whatever it is. And earlier today, I was talking to my wife about it. Like, hey, how many times did you just pick up your phone? Because on your screen time, it shares. Like, it shows how many times you just lifted it up, you know? A terrifying number. Yeah, I mean, seriously, number. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking like, oh, maybe like 30, whatever. It was like uh, over 100. Yeah. And the thing is our brain starts getting rewired over and over and over again, thinking like, okay, I just hung up the phone, now check my phone again. Yeah. Or I just walked into my house and I sat down, now I check my phone again. Yeah. Or I just finished a meal, now I check my phone again. Like, these are just learned responses over and over and over again, and we get that reward every single time, and we don't even notice. It's just so subconscious. And yeah. it's, it's crazy how that happens. Absolutely. And so... Let me jump to this question, um, and, and Bert, maybe I'll kick it over to you on this one. Um, when we talk digital addiction, Sandy's been talking about kind of process addictions, and, and, and I think you're contrasting that to really chemical addictions, right, right? where it's an actual substance I'm ingesting. Right. Um, and so when I look at a digital addiction, do, do you think digital addiction is a misnomer? Do you think it's a fair term to use? Like, can I be addicted to my phone? Is that, is that, is that, a, is that a helpful word to use in this conversation? For a discussion like this, probably yes. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people that would hear that phrase and then be dismissive. Okay. And go, yeah, it's not really me. I don't yeah. have that. I don't have that issue. Yeah. 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 Because they associate the word addiction more with chemicals. Absolutely. Yeah. And and don't hold on to that idea of process. Yeah. yeah. And and the control that that can create over you. Yeah. So, I would say absolutely yes. That that dynamic is is huge. Yeah. And, and what would you say, maybe if this room is feeling like, okay, I get the whole compulsive thing, but like, what's the right way to discuss if it's an addiction versus, yeah, I use my phone too much, or is that the wrong question? Uh, you used some criteria earlier. What's the best way to assess, has this reached addiction level versus, hey, we're all young people in this room, we use our phones a lot. You know, like, how do we discern? Do an experiment with yourself. Okay. Don't, don't impose the experiment on somebody else. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Turn it off for a day. A whole 24 hours. Beautiful. <laughs> okay, I, I just had a palpitation when I heard myself yeah, say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, was, I was talking, because I used to lead 10-day uh, backpacking trips with high school students and with college-age students. And towards the end of the time I did that, phones were beginning to come in. But prior to that, it was all clay yeah. tablets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they were used to having things that were called Walkmans. Mm, the glory and I, days. And I would take them away. 
Yeah. And wouldn't let them have it for the for the backpacking trip. Yeah. And we did a 24-hour solo. Yeah. By themselves, we were up up in the forest, up in the woods. Nobody else to talk to. No watches. Nothing. The only thing they had was the New Testament. And and then at the end of that 24 hours, we we'd prepare a meal and and discuss that. And the the way that they would describe the panic and the anxieties that they yeah. would go through for the first six, eight hours. Yeah. And that was before these. That's right, yeah. And, and so I, I was talking with my son about it this week, and I went, can you imagine if I was to do one of those trips now and take yeah. this away at, at the beginning of a 10-day trip? Yeah. Whew. Well, and I think you even brought in a good new element. You know, we talked about Walkmans back in the day, but now what you have your, your AirPods in, you have your noise counseling headphones, like whatever you use, right? There's even a, a compulsive behavior around like, I must always have something pumping into my ears, right? I couldn't possibly just listen to the sound of the world, right? And, and I think that's something to look at. Like, what if you just said, I'm going to go a week without headphones of any kind? Some of you are like, what? You know, like, but, but, but the fact that we go, what is like, all of human history figured this one out, you know, like, and, and so I think that's really valuable for us to say, okay, let's step away from it. And then I, I think what you're suggesting is just see what happens inside of you. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. But let, let me, let me jump to this question because I think we talk about the world today. We talk about even the world of Walkmans and kind of how fast technology is approaching. The fact that I, I'm going to just guess that if there's three people in this room with, who don't own a smartphone, I'd be surprised. Right. Um, is digital addiction just inevitable in our world today? Is, is it just kind of the assumption we're all going to deal with this addictive pattern and some of us are just going to do better or worse, or is it not inevitable? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I know that sounds kind of black and white, but I'm, I'm really trying to ask, like, is, are they just doomed? <laughs> I'll, I'll start with a concrete answer on that, and that's yeah. absolutely no. Yeah. Is it a... A readily available temptation? Yeah. Absolutely, sure. yes. Yeah. Um, but does that mean since it's a temptation that now I'm obligated to move towards it and partake? Yeah. No. Yeah. We live in, a, in a, an environment in Southern California where food is not an issue. Yeah. So does that mean that now we can go eat as much as we want and as yeah. much as we can Every single moment of the day, no. Yeah, but it's available. Yeah, but can it become an addiction? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Well, so well, it, it's about me learning how to manage. Yeah. Me with God's help. Yeah, and I think the sympathy we can all have for our generation, if if I can ask you to have some compassion for yourself, is we are the first generation to grow up with this, right? Like, like even even me growing up, like I had a flip phone in junior high, and like I had to like nine buttons, right? Like you had to go through the whole thing. I think it's crazy, right? But 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 we're like growing up with this, and it, it's almost like human beings finally are getting to this food abundance in our world. And what's happening? Well, we're having all kinds of issues with food because this is the first time in human history the biggest problem has been not starvation, but obesity and food-related problems. Uh, and I think for us to recognize this is a new thing. And that doesn't mean we're excused from having to deal with it. It just means we can have some compassion on ourselves and not just constantly beat ourselves up and recognize that this is actually a big deal in our world today. 
Let, let me ask this, because um, I talk about the world today. Um, uh, this question's a little leading, but number five here. Uh, what are the systemic, cultural, technological, economic causes of digital addictions? Like, in other words, uh, here's what I'm trying to set up a little bit. Um, I think each of us, when we look at our screen time report that comes in every week, just go, I'm the worst, right? Uh, and what I'm trying to do is say, you might be the worst, but you might also be up against an enemy that is literally trying to get you to be on this phone all the time. What, what do you guys see in our world today in terms of sort of the forces that are working against someone who says, no, I do not want my attention to be on my phone. I mean, I think culturally, systemically, everything, like, we're all comparing each other. We're all comparing one another, you know? When I see everybody around me on their phone in Starbucks because they're too uncomfortable to stand in line in Starbucks and not look at their phone, I'm obviously going to look at my phone. Yeah. I'm not even doing yeah. anything. Yeah. Like, I'm just pretending to text whatever I'm doing. Right? Yeah, totally. Like that's, that's what we do. Raise your hand if you have fake texted or phone called at any point. You're like, yeah, exactly. my people. <laughs> Thing is, we're over and over and over again. We're comparing ourselves to everybody else, and totally. why can't why can't we just survive for one second without being on our phone? Yeah. So we want to have the next cool phone. We always want to have the next iPhone, whatever it is. And over a long period of time, like we keep distorting the use of this phone and what it's meant to be, you know, just like we always distort God's gifts to us and God's tools for us. Yeah. So like the initial telephone started off with like, I want to call someone and now it's evolved to, I want to essentially be like God because now I I'm all knowing I can do all things. I get all this information, whatever else it is. So why do I need anything else? Yeah. So we're distorting the tool that was initially like, I just need to call someone real quick. Yeah. Right. And now we're getting into just some deep prideful issue of like, no, I know better than everyone else. I can just do this for myself. And we keep using God's gift to our own benefit when it's not even how it should be intended. Yeah. Like the phone was a great invention. It's a great thing to call one another and a great thing to text each other, whatever. But when we're using it for all these other purposes, that's not good anymore. Yeah, I love that you referred to it as a tool, and it's like there's no other tool in our life that we're like, I just bring my hammer with me everywhere I go, right? I just, I must have it at all times. You never know when you're going to need a hammer, right? But, but that's how we treat it, and, and I think technologically, uh, like, like if you saw the Social Dilemma movie or, or if you've yeah. read books on this, what you'll see is like, I want you to imagine that every time you pick up your phone, there's like 100 engineers at Google or Facebook or whatever on the other side who are like, how can we keep her attention more and more and more, right? Even the ways they design these apps, like you click it, it's like a slot machine. Like there's all these things that amplify your desire to want it. And so again, I think sometimes we think, well, I'm just lazier. I don't have self-control. What I'm trying to identify is like, I don't want you to just like give up the game, but I also want you to recognize you're actually up against some forces that are drawing you in. It wasn't that your focus just got lost. It's that it was stolen like there are people in silicon valley who make money every time you click into instagram and if you don't realize that you are the product for them you are making them money every time you open that app and that's why the app is so addictive or whatever app of your choice you make money every time you scroll through and just roll past an advertisement that annoys you but they get four cents for that advertisement in that moment you realize like okay there are actually forces that are trying to get me addicted they don't care about your life and they certainly don't care about your god They do not care about your spiritual health. And so I think to recognize that is really important for us. Anything else you guys would add on the cultural or systemic or technological side? I'm going to add one piece to that, Brian, because I I really liked how you phrased a lot of that. Loneliness is a huge issue. Yeah. And if I just wait for a call, 
I might wait for a long time. Yeah. But if I can somehow get 500 followers, I can look and go, oh, three people like that. Yeah. I'm not alone. And, and it's, it's like eating sugar to, to try and get energy. Yeah. Um, it's false. Yeah. And, but it's so addictive. Yeah. And later on this afternoon, there was 10 more people yeah. that said yes. Man, I want, I, yeah. want, I want 20. 10 yeah. is not enough. Yeah. And that's part of that addictive yeah. component with the behavior. It's likes, it's followers, it's streaks, it's any of these tools where you actually dig a little bit beneath the surface and you're like, oh, wow, I'm being preyed upon as this lonely person who's kind of insecure and needs approval because I don't believe my God's approval is enough, so I need approval. You know, like you actually start to get into that and you realize like this stuff matters. This is not a secular issue. This is a spiritual issue that's being exposed in our world today. That's what it is. Well, let me jump to number six um, because I think... Um, Sometimes the digital addiction actually just becomes a gateway or an amplifier to others. Can you talk about how like digital tools amplify other lusts or other other vices like lust or greed uh, or anything else like this? How, how do digital tools really bring about? I talked about greed, laziness, anger. How, how does that amplify? Yeah, well, in the field that I work in, which is in sex addiction and love addiction, pornography addiction, I'm, since 2010 when this iPhone came out. Yeah those numbers went off the chart because what this what this digital technology allows people to do and it's done in, and it was set up intentionally i love how you you guys put that is that it is set up for you to be able to access the your curiosity anonymously and affordably yeah and then what it does is then it, with the high speed with high speed internet it has allowed novelty to come into place. Novelty, risk, and fear are um, when they fuse together, neurons that fire together, wire together. Yeah. It say, say that phrase again, because I think neurons that's what... that fire together, wire together. And you guys, this gen your generation, your age right now, you're really at a deficit because this device that you're carrying allows you to access every single one of your thoughts whenever you want to do it. Yeah. And your brains, your relational template, your template for your sexuality, your template for the way you engage the world is being, is being wired in to something that does not exist in real life. Mm. And so this, I, in my opinion, my humbled opinion, this is, this is where the enemy is having a field day. Yeah. Because it gives people a false sense of um, idea about what healthy relationship looks like. And we already know the research is showing that brain development in your age group is different than, I'll just say, Bird and I. Because we weren't raised on high-speed internet porn. We yeah. weren't raised on this technology. So the rebound effect for somebody that falls into some kind of a digital addictive process addiction for us, we have a reset. We can go back to those days when it wasn't. Yeah. You guys can't. Yeah. So this is, this is a big concern that I carry. Totally. Be, um, because it's robbing people of their relational health. Totally. And it's like you were saying, it takes you out totally of Totally agree with her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, and it robs you of relational health because it takes you out of the real world. <laughs> Like, if you think sex in marriage is just like sex in porn, yep. you will destroy, maybe not destroy, you will damage your marriage. Because in the real world, it doesn't look like that. In the real world, it doesn't feel like that. And so what, what Satan wants to do is take you out of the real world. He wants to take you out of reality and put you in some kind of fantasy. 
But what we want to do as Christians is we want to live in the real world as it actually is and confront things as they actually exist. And so whether it be through your phone or, or whether it be the kind of likes or, or, or streaks or whatever you need to get that affection, that's not real world too. Like there's all of these things. Like I want you to notice how often your phone takes you out of the real world and puts you into some kind of fantasy or different world. And that detachment is not what Jesus came to give you. He came to give you life and life to the full. Um, any other things we'd add? I, I just know you talked about sex addiction. I, I think we've talked about this here in this room. It's a massive deal. It's a big deal. It's something we all need to talk about. Um, but are there any other things you'd add when it comes to these vices through our phone? I mean, it just increases every issue we have. Yeah. <laughs> like it amplifies everything like you were mentioning, Brian. Just so, so many people are so anxious now and so depressed and just, like I said, comparing themselves to everyone else. But the fact that we can only interact based off of text or Snapchat or Instagram DMs or whatever it is, we can't interact one-on-one, face-to-face. Like, people have a hard time looking at someone in the eye because it's so uncomfortable, but I could look at a screen because that's the false representation of themselves. So all this anxiety is increasing because we don't have access to this. We just have access to what's right in front of us. And like you're saying, it's it's not real. Yeah. It's not the reality. So when we're faced with actual life consequences and what's going on right in front of us, we're terrified because we don't know how to live our actual life yeah. that we've been given. Yeah. It's stunning to me to even watch like political discourse now and like political discourse looks like Twitter, but Twitter's not real life. Like you don't dunk on people in real life. You don't just like get up and like, oh, what? you know, like you don't do that. Right. <laughs> like you respectfully have disagreements with people in real life, but but now it bleeds over, and then you actually start to treat real life like your digital life. And when you do that, again, you're not living in reality. And that's what we're calling you toward. Um, so here's can, what I want to do. I, can um, I add one little tiny yeah, piece of that? And I know your time constraint there. Yeah, yeah, you're good. But th- there's a dynamic that happens. Each and every one of us want to be on the receiving end of you're really paying attention to me. You yeah. want to... Yeah. You want my full attention. Yeah. I can listen and do this at the same time is the lie Mm. I begin believing. Yeah. And so if I'm doing this and listening, I might be able to repeat the words you said, but has your heart been touched? Like, yes, you have value and you are loved. Yeah. Yeah. And the obvious answer is no. Yeah. Do I have 30 more seconds? You do. Fast. My oldest daughter, when she was three, three and a half years old, she was very precocious, very verbal. And we had a routine when I'd come. This is way before digital anything other than one, two. Um, And so the routine was I'd come in the door, and I could hear her run down the hall, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I went, Mm. this is the coolest thing in the entire world as you're experiencing annoying. And we would sit down on the floor in the living room, just barely inside the front door, cross-legged, knees touching, and she would tell me about the events of the day, the tea party that she had with the Care Bears, the little class that she had with Rainbow Bright. And after a lot of days of this, the stories were all kind of running together, kind of sounding real, real similar. And I'd brought some papers with me, not digital, and they're on the floor sitting next to me. And she's telling the story. I could repeat back what she was saying. And I began looking at a paper. Yeah. And as I was doing it, I became aware of the fact she had stopped talking. 
Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now where was she in the story? And I'm trying to remember the exact spot. Yeah. Okay, good luck bear was in trouble and he's in the corner. <laughs> and, and I'm beginning to lift my head up and these two little hands grab my face. Uh-huh. And she's like right here. And she goes, Daddy, listen with your eyes. Oh. Oh. I feel like we should all go home right now. <laughs> that was so good though, right? Right. Because we all get that. Crushed me. Yes. <laughs> crushed me. Yeah. I mean, I could not stop the tears. Yeah. She didn't want to know. Can you repeat what I'm saying? She wanted to know, do you love me enough for me to have all of your attention? Yeah, 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 that's right. And that was a pivotal moment in my marriage because yep. I was like, oh, my goodness. I just learned something about your mom. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because she wants the same thing. Yeah, and so do our best friends. Oh. And so do our roommates. So do your, the people sitting next to you right now, like, all of us have been wounded by someone being on their phone yep. um, and not felt, you know, listen to me with your eyes. Yes. And all of us have done that to someone else. Uh, and so I think that that is just such part of the key here. It's again, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? You cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you're on your phone constantly ignoring them. Kind of, you know, like you can't do that. Like this is a discipleship thing. So here's what I want to do. We have a few more questions. I want to ask them. We're going to do like a lightning round here. So we're going to make it real quick. Um, band, you're going to come up in just a second. I'm calling an audible here. You're going to do one song at the end. So I'm going to ask three more questions. We're going to do one more song. Sound good? That's the plan. All right, number seven. Uh, how do you begin the process of exploring the root causes of addiction? Lightning round. <laughs> but, but really, like what, what's the first step? If you're just going like they're sitting here tonight going, you know what? It's an issue. I'm finally going to say it so I can say it out loud and begin to solve it. What's the first step? That's it. You got to go there first and yeah. then you got to get some accountability. You can't just dump it and walk out and think anything's going to yeah. be different. Yeah. Say it out loud. Talk to someone. Anything you guys got to add? Same exact thing. Get yeah. to the root of it. Like yeah. you said, there's so much more underneath it. It's not just yep. the behavior aspect. Yep. So. so so, that leads me to question number eight. Um, there's these root causes, right? Uh, first step toward dealing with digital addiction. How, how do I begin to kind of, okay, I recognize it's an addiction. I recognize there's some root causes. Um, you said accountability. Who, do I call someone? Do I join a group? Do I go to a therapist? Do I go online and just Google digital? Like, what do I do? What, what's a tangible first step once I've acknowledged this is an issue? Don't Google. Don't Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we're talking about digital. That's right. <laughs> Share it with a friend. Yeah. You cannot journey this one alone. No. Yeah. We were not created by God to journey alone. We were created by God to journey with one another. Yeah. I need your help. Help me with this. Yeah. Man, I can't stop doing this. Yeah. Just call me out on it. Yeah. That, that's walking a, a journey together. Yeah. Um, as professionals, if someone came to you, I think this is actually, this may sound crazy to you guys, but I think someone needs to hear this. If someone came to you and said, I feel like I have an, a digital addiction, like I feel like I'm compulsively on my phone, would you welcome them or laugh them out of your office? Come on in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For real. Yeah. real. Because yeah. I'm really speaking for someone out here who I think thinks that's too silly and small to go to counseling for. 
but I'm looking at three of you who do this professionally. And, and if someone came to you, you would say, let's start working through this and figure out where this is coming yeah. from. Right? First thing I say is thank you. Yeah. Like, thank you for being vulnerable. First yeah. of all, thank you for sharing this and bringing it into the light. Like you said, if it's hidden in darkness, that's where Satan has all its power. That's right. Once it's in the light with all the community and all your resources, let's do it. Yeah. It's great. That's Put right. Put a name to it. It's great. Um, again, from time to time, I say, if you need a counselor, come see us. And that could be this week. It could be three weeks from now. You wake up and go, you know what? It's time. Come see us. We have a whole list of counselors we refer to people to through this church uh, who we know. We know they're believers, but also professionals who, who do this together and can work with you. Uh, and we would love to point you to one. Um, number nine, what are some practical steps young adults can implement today? If they were to walk away from tonight, let's say they said, okay, I don't think I'm ready to go to counseling, but what are one or two things I could do going forward? I think you got to start being really mindful about how often you're picking that up. And, and also the journaling piece, taking it to the Lord is like, what's happening right before? Like, how did I get here? How did this happen again? Start taking some mindful thought process around what is happening. And at the end of the day, I mean, let's face it, you guys, we're here in church. I think our church, what I love about Calvary and I love, I love our church is that they keep it real around here. And you cannot, Bert said it, you cannot do this alone. We need community around us. This technology is set up and wired to take us out. So, and it will destroy your life. Addiction destroys lives. Yeah. And there is a line sometimes where people can't come back from. Yeah. They always, Jesus can always save us wherever we are. But catching it on the upfront at the, at the ages that everybody is in here is, is a really good place to start. Yeah. So, so I'm hearing it's not going away. Yeah. I'm hearing you say, take this serious. Mm-hmm. Don't walk away tonight and be like, whatever, like take it serious. Mm-hmm. Like, cause this could progress to a place in your life where you don't get to come back and where you're just down this rabbit hole. And, and, and that leads to other things and other compulsive habits and all of these types of things. Uh, I think to walk away tonight, just saying, I'm going to take this serious. And then whatever that means for you, again, uh, I've said this a million times, I'm not going to tell you what your line is, but if you don't have a line, I'm very concerned um, to have a line of this is what it means for me. Can I add uh, some practical yeah, steps please. real quick? Yeah. Um, one, rearrange your phone apps. You'll find randomly you're going to open up your phone, not even thinking about it. All of a sudden you rearrange it. You're on the calculator app and on Instagram. Yeah. So do that. One. That's one way to recognize yep. it. And also set limits. Limits are great. But it's so interesting how we set limits on all these things because they're damaging to our life. Yeah. Like there's a speed limit because if we cross that limit, it could damage our life. There's yep. phone limits because it becomes an addiction. But why do we do the reverse with Jesus time and reading the Bible? We say, yeah. oh, if I could get at least 10 minutes today. Yeah. Right. That's great. Yeah. But we're setting a two hour limit for Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Like one brings us to death. Yeah. One gives us life. Totally. We need to rearrange yeah. that. Yeah. It is to have some kind of rule of life you live by. And again, that rule can look different for every person. There's hundreds of people in this room listening online. It can look different for every single one of you. But if you have no rule, no pattern, no practice, no guidelines, that's where you get into trouble with this thing because you don't even have a game plan. Um, Final question, uh, and maybe we can just run through this. Uh, What does an emotionally healthy and spiritually mature posture uh, toward digital tools look like? And, And here's the premise of this question. I don't think I'm calling everyone here to abandon their phones and go back to like sending pigeon carrier mail. You know, like that's not the goal here. So 10 years from now, the people in this room have whatever the newest iPhone, Androids, thingamajig is. What does it look like? I have no clue what it's going to look like. Yeah. But don't ever lose sight of the fact that it's a tool. Yeah. And tools don't own you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Well, we will end on that. Tools don't own you. Um, and if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes this tool does. Um, and it owns us to the place that it actually takes our eyes and affection off of Jesus. And, and, and our heartbeat here at Calvary is to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And so here's the challenge for you. If you want to just get real, real practical, we're going to sing one song right now. I challenge you not to touch, look at, or even consider your phone uh, for this final song. Put it down, turn it off, throw it under your seat, throw it in your bag, whatever you have to do, uh, because I want us to turn our heart and affection toward Jesus. But before we do, would you give it up for our panelists? Thank you, each of you, Sandy and Bert and Adam, for coming. Um, really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to take a moment to pray for us. Um, actually, let's go ahead and do this. Would you stand to your feet right now? Um, and if you want to take my challenge serious, if you got your phone with you, put it down on the floor. Put it on your seat right now. Like, get it away from you. So that's just a non-issue. This isn't a forever thing, but it's a symbolic thing. It's not that forever you're never going to touch your phone. It's that in this moment, you're going to be dialed in. In this moment, you're going to be focused. On this moment, you're going to say, my heart's attention or my mind's attention, my heart's affection are on Jesus. And so we're going to sing this song. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to go out for the night. And whatever you do going forward, my hope and my prayer is that you would take it serious as we talked about tonight, that you would know that this is not some other kind of issue. It's a spiritual issue because you will bring glory to what you pay attention to. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for tonight. And thank you once again uh, for the opportunity to reflect on your word, Psalm 18, to think through that you are our stronghold, our salvation, the rescuer of our hearts and souls. Thank you for the men and women speaking tonight, sharing. God, thank you for their wisdom, their insight. I pray now as we worship, as we lift up our voices to you, our minds would be focused on you, our hearts would pay attention to you. God, I pray that this silly little device in my pocket would not own me. I pray you would own me. I pray you would own me to your glory and your power and your fame now and forever. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said.